Welcome to the Youth School Podcast, where we believe inside of everybody there is a great story waiting to be discovered and lived. This is the show where we guide you on your journey in discovering what your story could be. It's your life. Don't let anybody else write it. Awesome. All right. This is Scott Schimmel. I'm the host of the Useful Podcast, at least for today. And uh, I'm thrilled. This month, we're talking about change, the idea that change happens. And uh, change can happen without us knowing it. Change can happen because we want it to. But regardless, when we experience change, stuff happens. Stuff happens emotionally. Stuff happens in our lives. Roles change. And so one of the people that I've gotten to know a little bit over the years, but known about for longer than that is uh, Danny Kim. And Danny, you don't know this, but I never really introduce people on this podcast. I don't do bios. So I just, because I want you to tell your story and, and you know, not just this is where you were born, but maybe just kind of give us some context for who you are and what you're doing now as you describe yourself, because I probably use different words than you. And then we'll work backwards a little bit, a little bit there and, and spend a lot of time talking about change. So thanks, by the way, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Uh, always, a, a, I always love the opportunity to speak with great people such as yourself. And so thanks for having me. Tell us about what you're doing. It's great. So I am currently uh, an organizational consultant. And, um, Sounds fancy. So yeah, so some might think that that's unemployment, but uh, I do have a job. <laughs> it's like saying like you're an entrepreneur, but you're really yes. not, and you're trying to figure out what the next step is. But a lot of time at Starbucks. Uh, I, yeah, exactly. I, I say that uh, empathetically, and I say that uh, so yes. I, I, I've been there. But um, I work for a company called Centauric. We're based in San Diego, um, La Jolla Shores. And we are a global consultancy, so we help leaders at pivotal moments uh, gain clarity, uh, make the right moves, hmm. have data to make the decisions. Um, and el- ultimately, kind of my purpose, I feel like, in my role and, and what I do and kind of my greater purpose is uh, I elevate humanity in the workplace. And so, hmm. um, and a lot of people are like, what does that mean? Yeah. Uh, that, that, that means that I try to show people their inherent value um, by providing some context for their identity um, and then ultimately help them develop the skills of raw leadership, right? So that's integrity and courage and uh, generosity and the ability to uh, go beyond yourself, you know, to to care for the people you lead and love. And so, um, yeah, so I, I just elevate people in the workplace and that happens through coaching, that happens through um, consulting, um, that happens through great conversations and facilitated conversations. How do you become a consultant? And especially because you're, I mean, you look young. I might be Yes. I, yeah. <laughs> um, man, the suit jacket doesn't uh, make me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, five years for sure. There's a there's a different you know, there's different kinds of consulting. So yeah, um, one kind of consulting is like kind of uh, uh, technical consulting, which is more about like the person who's done it for 25, 30 years, and they're just the best in that specific topic. Yeah, kind of consulting that I do is called more of a like process consulting, okay. which is helping people solve their own problems and using an outside voice to shape that problem-solving mechanism. And Hmm. so I am kind of a third voice. I'm a sounding board. 
I create space for people to innovate and think of new strategies. Um, and I think the benefit of what I bring is, uh, and my, cons my, my bosses who have been in the consulting world mm -hmm. in a very formal context, and I'm, I'm very much being mentored by them, we bring in other people's voices and we have strong networks. So we're not always the one bringing in all the expertise or the experience, but we often bring in other outside consultants, other voices to be able to add and contribute to the conversation, if that makes sense. So totally. it's, it's, it's additive it, it, and we, we, we're like ultimate connectors and we bring the yeah. right people together to solve uh, challenges. Well, that sounds like it takes the pressure off a little bit too from being the expert. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think there's just like a, I think for the kind of work I do, there's just a natural need for, um, like I'm just a naturally curious person. Yeah. So understanding how people work, how group dynamics work. And, um, you know, if, uh, I mean, our clients range from nonprofits to education to, um, financial planners to, you know, automobile industry and to tech startups. So it's like all over the place, but we're just like, Hey, how does this work? And how do we help solve the challenge that you're facing currently? You, I love that. I wrote this down. You're helping people solve their own problems. And I like that because this, this conversation we're in this month is about change. Yes. And so I'm curious the process that you use around helping people solve their own problems. Do you, do you think about it like steps of a process or phases? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, you know, I think um, one of the things that I, why this topic matters to me is because I have experienced a lot of change in the last decade, hmm. uh, specifically from a vocation or work perspective. Mm -hmm. you know, I think oftentimes, like even growing up, like we have this mentality or uh, cultural pressure to kind of have it figured out by the time you are a freshman in college. Yes. And there's so much pressure to be there already. And I think as people navigate change or think about change, I think the first step is really about um, pausing enough to identify what the real challenge is. And hmm. much of the work that I do with my companies is we, we're often brought into do some uh, assessment of what the challenges are and what the leaders think the challenge is, is often not what is often not the challenge. Interesting. You know, they, they're like, well, we need a better marketing strategy. Right. And we actually end up finding out that they need a better leadership program for their first level managers or right. something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think as people are experiencing change or what I like to call transition, mm -hmm. I think the first thing, to identify what the real challenge is. Um, I think oftentimes, it, you know, sometimes people wake up and they're like, man, I just need to change my job, you know, because I'm so frustrated with my boss or they're not using my full potential or whatever. Yep. And it might have just been that they had like a bad burrito the night before right. and they're just frustrated because they don't feel good, you know? Yep. Um, and I know it sounds like I'm diminishing that, but the reality is sometimes we don't even realize that we what the real problem is, you know? They don't might, diagnose accurately. Correct, they don't diagnose accurately. Um, and so then they reach for something they think they need, right? So maybe that's yeah. a new friend group or a new community or a new housing situation or a new job or a new career. And they look for and fish for things because they're like, well, I, I, if I can't change the thing that I don't really want to change, yeah. at least change something superficial or yes. saying something um, 
else and rather than actually diagnosing and addressing the real challenges. In your, in your work, in what you do, in your style, mm-hmm. and you're helping people pause, identify their challenges, their problems, are, are you trying to name them? Are you trying to help them name them? Like where, where do you fall on that? I know that's a spectrum. And I'm yeah. sure it's different with that. Yeah. And there is, you know, I think the spectrum that's kind of helpful for people who are new to newer to kind of this field that I'm, that maybe yeah. they're still trying to figure out what I do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on one side of the spectrum, there's a coach. And then the other side of the spectrum is kind of more of a consultant. Okay. So I would say a coach really um, elicits or draws out in people their own answers, right? Yeah. So lots of questions um, and even like kind of that Socratic way of questioning, you know? So like, yeah. what would be helpful if you did this, you know? What, what mm-hmm. would be you if you were to accomplish this and really helping them draw that out and oftentimes I think that's an extremely powerful tool because Mm -hmm. then people solve some of their own challenges right the other side of the coin though is the consulting piece Um, and I kind of teetered between the two because consultants uh, at times I after diagnosing questions I provide some next steps right so I will Mm -hmm. say perhaps it might be this or one option you can take a look at is this you know, and ultimately letting them become the master of their own journey. Yeah. Uh, I, I really think that as an important part of the work I do is letting them be kind of the master of their own fate, if you will, yeah. um, the, the captain of their own ships. However, um, I also want to give data and facts and uh, be a truth teller, right? Saying, hey, like you think this is north, but this is what my compass says. FYI, you know, and yeah. you can decide. Right. <laughs> you're you're driving the ship, but I am yeah. I am showing you the compass, and I think that's a helpful way of looking at it. Um, yeah. Is that uh, is that does it feel confrontational, or does it feel uh, like you're in partnership? I don't I don't know how to ask that, but change yeah. if you're a part of the change process and you're being brought in, I just look at you and think, man, you have to. You're in conflict a lot. You're confronting people. You're making people feel uncomfortable. (laughs) Is is that true? Yeah. You know, I think that one of the things that we bring as external voices is a couple different things. But number one, I think we bring a a level of controversy um, because Mm -hmm. controversy is actually useful in distilling your Mm non-negotiables and your values. Right. And so when we provide questions that seem poignant or controversial or kind of uh, uh, against the grain. Yeah. Right. We're not cheerleaders, if that makes sense. And yeah. it takes your question. Right. To be blunt about it. Yeah. We're not there to give you a massage and make you feel good about all the answers you made. You're typically calling us to solve a challenge, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether that's leadership alignment, or maybe there's a new executive that you don't know what to do with, or Mm -hmm. maybe you had to let go of half of your staff. Those are real challenges. And we come with a a certain level of controversy in order to look at the challenge in a different light or to diagnose it in a different way. And I would say the other side of it is we provide a level of courage for you to be able to take the step forward. So it's both, right? It's both a level of confrontation and I probably wouldn't use it that way, but to be, to, to, to kind of use your words. Yeah. We definitely bring a level of, uh, uh, yeah. And the other side of it is we are there to be your greatest. Um, you know, we believe in, you know, we believe in our clients and we believe 
invest in them. Uh, and we, we show up with positive intent and we say, yeah, we, we're for you. Um, like, and going back to my kind of purpose, it's I want to elevate people, you know? And so my, my job is never to tear you down. That's not productive for me, you know? My job is to encourage you and help you see the light, right? Shine the light in the dark places and to face the fear and do it anyways. What do you see? Are there themes that you're seeing recently about people's, uh, I don't know, um, uneasiness about change or reasons they don't want to change or the barriers they have to change? Yeah. What, what are you seeing? You know, I think uh, I kind of mentioning kind of my kind of personal passion around change and transition. Yeah. I would say that our society, and I think it's exacerbated by social media and technology, but we do not like the in-between state. Hmm. What I mean by that is we love the point A and point B. We love yep. the finish line. We love celebrating success. We love saying, I got my degree or my diploma, or we love, I got my promotion, right? Yep. Or Almost, I started something. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah going they love to the start. Exactly. Maybe not the finish, but yep. at least they're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm enrolled, or yes. I, I got a new job. I'm going to run a half marathon. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Or I'm back at the gym. I'm seeing a lot of that on my social media. Yeah, uh, yeah. So 2019 right mm -hmm. so they're like oh my first back back dad back at the gym so but what they don't like is the resiliency and grit that's necessary yeah. to get you from each transition point we don't celebrate as much the in-between space mm -hmm. right so i am currently getting my phd right now i don't like celebrating the in-between yeah <laughs> you know, my degree and my title change, but you'll see that a lot in my social media feed, but you don't see me saying I'm spending, you know, five hours tonight working on a paper yeah. or whatnot. Yeah. And I think that that is a, 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 a travesty in our society because we don't like the in-between space. We're just uncomfortable with it. Um, we like, we celebrate finish lines, uh, mm -hmm. rewards, accolades, the start of things more than we do the finish. And it's interesting because even when you get to point B, whatever that point yeah. B is for you, that turns into a point A and they start all over again. Right. So transition really is frequent. It's not a one and done. No. It's not a thing that happens once in your lifetime, but it's a thing that happens all the time. Um, and, I, and that's why I really want to help people see that transition is a place that can actually be fertile. It's a place where you can grow the most. It's a place where it becomes uh, a greenhouse of learning and, yeah. um, and hopefully becoming better you know, whatever that might be for you. So you wrote a book on transition called Influx. What's, yes. why did you write it? I mean, we can talk a little bit about what's in it, but what, what was, sure. it, was it for? Why'd you write it? Sure. So I wrote the book Influx um, because I was in a transition myself. Um, I had actually gone to school um, and originally. My, my undergrad degree is in biology and I thought I was going to be a doctor and when I realized that my grades weren't good enough uh, to get into med school, my junior year in college, I decided I would do something else with my life. I actually ended up getting Masters of Divinity, studying spirituality and transformational leadership. A little different. It totally is different, right? <laughs> and I was trying to figure out myself, and through that process, ended up working for a nonprofit. Um, and I was then transitioning again from that role to then um, 
becoming to, to then doing more coaching and consulting. And I was in a serious transition. There was a moment in my life when I was writing this book when my wife and I were literally creating a budget to say, if I didn't get paid a single penny, could mm -hmm. we make it? Uh, because we didn't know where my next paycheck would come. And yeah. so I wrote this book out of kind of my own personal journey. Um, and in, in just realizing that people, wherever, whatever stage you're in, you will experience some level of transition. Yeah. Uh, whether you are a newlywed to uh, having your first child, to seeing your kids go to school, to, uh, to passing, you know, and seeing yeah. that transition happening all throughout our lives. And I wanted to give a tool for people to be able to become okay with transition and not just become okay with it, but to thrive in it. Yeah. Talk about that. Cause what do you, what do you see as an opportunity? If you're, if you're in a transition, what's, what's the opportunity for someone? Yeah. I think when well, the opportunity that people can experience within transition is a deepening awareness of self mm -hmm. uh, and where we choose to find value and worth in, right? Do we find it in our job title or in our status mm -hmm. or a paycheck even? Yeah. Or do we find it in um, kind of our, one, our intrinsic value. But the other thing that I think transition is useful for and is really the uh, kind of catalyst for is it provides this journey that uh, it, it is a reminder for us that life is not meant to be lived alone. Hmm. And so one of the chapters that I talk about in my book is, is do it in community, hmm. right? Figure out who's your tribe and yeah. who are the people that are journeying with you in it. Because I think so often we, we live in isolation, especially when it comes to the uncomfortable, right? When we are struggling and we're unemployed, like we kind of, go into our own cave and we yep. live in the sense of self-pity or isolation um, and we don't celebrate it on social media. Mm -hmm. However, I argue that in moments of transition is the moments when you find deepest connection with people. Mm. Why? Because that's when other people experience the same thing. It's that yeah. limited space. We all know it and we all get it. And the more authentic you can be with people, the more opportunities you have to live through it together. You know, um, I love being able to celebrate my friends who were unemployed and seeing them get jobs, you know, and helping them find a greater purpose and helping them wrestle through that. Like that is a, that is a yeah. tremendous opportunity we have. And I, I think people ought to, um, and have an opportunity to connect with one another, with hmm. one another more meaningfully through those transitions. Well, we're needy right? During those times, especially if it's like a, a joblessness situation or you're exiting a relationship or yeah. you're uncertain, you don't know where to go. It's like, I need help. I need someone yes. to let me know it's going to be okay. I need someone, I think I've looked to my close friends through my transitions as, right. okay, even if I blow it, even if this doesn't work out, at least these people still are with me and for me. At least I got them, which actually yeah. matters a lot. <laughs> when yeah. When you're needy and vulnerable. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's powerful. You know, it's, it's community building in some ways. And I think people um, don't recognize that component of it. Yeah. And I would love to invite people, if you're in a transition mm -hmm. or if you know of people in transition, be a friend, reach out, mm -hmm. you know, um, you can, you can be a pivotal moment in their life. Um, and, hmm. and that's why, you know, it's so funny. Like a lot of my work, uh, obviously I, I get paid to coach, but I can't tell you how many people reach out and say, Hey, can you give me some, I've got a quick question about my 
career. Or I just lost my job and mm-hmm. I'm willing to take that 30, 45 minute call pro bono yeah. just because just I'm like, I want to help set up your trajectory, you know? Yeah. And like, if I could just give you 30 minutes of my time, I would love to just be that person that you can reach out to, you know, because people, yeah. so we just need that, you know, we, we absolutely need that. What should, what should I do if I find myself in an unexpected change in a transition I wasn't planning for, like job change? What do you, yeah. what do you think I should check in on? What, what are the steps? Yeah, so I actually talk about in my book, there's kind of levels of friction. Okay. And friction is a term that's interesting because, you know, we often say avoid the path of least resistance or yeah. you know, friction is bad, right? Because this the kind of negative connotation but I actually argue that there is a healthy level of friction that we need, right? So if you're unemployed for too long, that causes a lot of friction and that could be really harmful, right? So obviously that's difficult. Too much. Yeah, too much uh, friction. And that I kind of label it as like a burnout zone, right? Burnout, too much friction, you cause a fire, Mm -hmm. uh, quite literally, uh, scientifically speaking. And then the other side of it is too little friction creates no momentum. Can't move forward, right? So if you think about how you got to work today or um, how you travel, you need a certain level of friction for your tires to move on the ground mm. in order to get you from point A to point B. Yeah. In that same way, I, I talk about how there's an ideal zone of friction. And that is really helpful because I think people need to begin to understand that when you are in a moment of transition, to identify all the levels of friction in your life, all the different hmm. stressors that you have. So if you're, if you just lost your job and that's the only thing that's stressful for you, like that's a path to move forward in. But if you lost your job and you're moving and you just got married and you're about to have your first kid, <laughs> like that is a recipe. Yeah. Disaster, right? Like I've done that. <laughs> have you? Okay. Well, you Let's turn into yes. therapy here, Danny. So, you, know, you, have to, you have to walk through that and you have to begin to categorize like how much friction in my life am I facing? And I, can I be honest with mm-hmm. that? I mean, I'm going to throw that question back to you. I just described your life maybe a little bit ago. Yeah. What, what did you do? What was helpful for you? Well, I certainly went directly to close friends and said, dude, I'm an, I am... I am in over my head. This is a football town. I'm throwing the red flag. We need a timeout. Yeah. I need you to come yeah. over. I don't know what to do. Um, and that doesn't take me that much courage. I think it does for some other folks with the pride of that. But yeah. uh, I, I kind of was born and raised in a fundraising environment. And so it's, right. it wasn't, it's not unfamiliar for me to ask for help per se. Right. But, um, to check in on, okay, who are the people I can really lean on right now? Who are the people I can trust? And then settle in and listen to a few people speak into what I've got, whether it's advice or encouragement. And so I think it's always, that's kind of my, in my go bag. <laughs> like if yeah. I'm in an emergency yeah. in a disaster, at least I can uh, phone a friend, phone a few yes. friends yes. and it will help me kind of come back to sanity and reality. Yeah. And what, yeah, one, and I think that's your, that's spot on. And I would totally agree with that. Another thing I would encourage folks who, who may find themselves in a season of transition, they might be listening to the podcast thinking I need a career change, right? Mm. Or I, yep, totally. Um, I need, or my, my kids are going through, they need to change their major or whatever. Yep. I would say that one of the most pivotal steps um, that the, instead of researching, reaching out to folks and getting help, the first step I think even before all that is becoming silent with yourself. And it's easier said than done. Actually, there's some interesting research. There there was the psychologist that did research 
with people who had to be silent with by themselves for 10 minutes, or they had the option of buzzing themselves with electricity. What? People, yeah, as another alternative. And people <laughs> within 10 minutes started shocking themselves because what? they were more, they, were, they could not be by themselves Whoa. in their own thoughts. And I think that's a really scary place for people to be when you feel so, and, and, and going back to my kind of own journey is I am that guy that would shock myself. Like mm-hmm. I would be more okay with not facing the, like facing my own thoughts. Yeah. And I would be more attracted to pain or some sort of movement yeah. uh, because I felt, I would feel like that's productive. And so I would well, what happens to you in the silence? What, what do you think comes up? Cause talk about friction. I think a lot of people listening to this are like next episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, if you're still li- listening to this podcast, <laughs> I would say what happens in that silence is you begin to become more attuned with who you are in. And I know that sounds super like existential, but like yeah. what that means is that, we become more centered with ourselves knowing that we are okay. And it gives you the space to be cognizant and aware of your thoughts. Hmm. And I just feel like even more so with the rise of technology, my fear is that people are less and less okay with being by themselves. Oh yeah. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a real personal passion of mine. Actually, my research in my PhD program is on smartphone addiction and emotional mm. intelligence. Dang. I would want to encourage people that are living in the 21st century with any sort of smartphone yeah. to become more aware of how and when they go to their phones, mm-hmm. right? If, if you are in a season of transition and you feel like you need to be hustling and let's say you're trying to find a new job or whatever, yeah. I would start my days with not checking your email, Hmm. not going online, not going to social media, but being fully still and silent and practicing a posture of silence to become more centered and rooted Hmm. and and setting your intentions. Um, I I like to call this, uh, or psychologists call this, uh, not me, but uh, I like to practice visual rehearsal. Okay. which is really the idea of saying, what do I want my day to be like? And how do I picture it in such a way as if I'm living it out before I even do it? So this kind of mental model rehearsal, visual rehearsal, that creates a, an ability that you have intention. Because I think what people experience in transition is they feel like they're frenetic yes. or anxious or yeah. frustrated or clawing you know if those words resonate with you mm-hmm. my encouragement to you would be do the opposite don't write Become it more silent yeah 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 write it down i mean actually one of the things that one of the practices that i did while i was writing this book um was i wrote 750 words every single day as i started my day okay i would type it out and i would just ask myself questions of where i was at mm-hmm. and do kind of a self-check-in mm-hmm. and through that, what emerged was I realized I wasn't getting enough sleep. I wasn't eating healthy. I wasn't exercising. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things compound and make transition even harder. Yeah. When your rhythms are out of whack, you realize I'm not going to be the best version of myself if I'm eating junk food, staying up way too late, waking up late, you know, not yeah. making meaningful yeah. connections. And it's right um, there. But if yeah. you don't stop and think about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It'll keep ruining the day. Are there tools or apps or books? If you're, if someone's like, okay, 
because I think you and I have such similar interests and passions. So I've got, yeah. I'm looking over, I got a list of books that I'm looking at. I've got probably three or four apps on my phone, but are there, yeah. Is there, is there an app and a book that you recommend or an article? Kind of, yeah. Um, so there's a book that I read um, that's been really informative for me recently called Irresistible. Okay. Really the science and his name is Adam Alter. He's a professor at, uh, of marketing in New York. And, um, and it's interesting because marketing and psych- psychology have so, something so similar. Yeah. I would highly recommend that book for people who are just interested. And he really talks a lot about attention and um, kind of the, the, the systems that, and behaviors that create addiction. Yep. And um, I think that that's an important thing for us to consider um, because neuroscientists say that neurons that fire together mm-hmm. wire together. And so mm-hmm. if we are kind of constantly looking for outside affirmation or yep. social media dopamine hits, um, you know, we, that's what we're going to be drawn to in moments. In pattern, you're going to create yeah. it, you're going to need it. We crave it, we need it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I've been utilizing a lot, there's two apps that I use. One is the Calm app. So okay. I actually have turned my de- device, my, my, you know, digital device into a development tool. Hmm. So the very thing that can be addictive for me, I've put Calm, the Calm app, at the very center of my first home screen. Hmm. And I use that as a meditating tool every single day. So it's ironic that, you know, that my phone has become now my meditation tool. Um, The other thing that I use is the built-in screen time app Hmm. on my phone. And so there's a screen time on on iOS, um, new iOS um, for iPhones. There's this feature in the settings, in the general settings called screen time. And what you can do is, one, become more cognizant of how many hours you use your phone, Uh how many apps you use, what kind of apps you're using. And one of the things that I actually do, and I would recommend this to parents for not only themselves, they need to be examples in their own homes, but for their kids, mm-hmm. is you can set up limiting limits on what kind of applications are being used. Mm. So after an hour, all my social media apps go dark. And huh. they say, you have limit, you have reached your limit. Do you, and it gives me an option to say, do you want to keep using it for today or right. it for 15 more minutes? But it's a helpful and healthy reminder to say, wow, it's three o'clock in the afternoon right now. And I'm, I have been on social media for an hour right. today, like somewhere in throughout my day, I was on for an hour. I know. I'm looking up right now for me as you talk. Are you, okay, okay. What's your number one app right now that you use? I don't know. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm trying to find out. This is my iPhone. Yes, this is me. It's me. I don't want to know. Uh... Gosh, I'm trying to set this up for my kid too. This is going to be like homework for me, Dan. This is good. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> I don't know. I got to I'll do some more research. So screen time. So there's this thing called okay. downtime. Um, that that's so downtime is where I set up at 9:30 p.m. all my apps. I've set up some that I could use, you know, 24/7. Right. But from 9:30 to 7 a.m. they they go dark. Okay. So my email, my social media, um, certain like most of my apps except for like I have like a timer app i've got like my calm app i've got messages just in case people need to get hold of me yeah. uh, really my family and then i've got app limits right below that uh, where i can say okay for me only social networking for one hour mm. a day okay. right now i've used my phone two hours and 30 minutes and it's not quite four o'clock yet so i i actually average about three hours and 40 minutes a day and my number one app every day is instagram <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um no um 
I don't know. Maybe that's good. I don't know. I use it for business, but that's also an excuse for me to say I can be on it more. So yeah, right. I, I don't know. There's moments where I have to become more cognizant of my usage. Yeah. And, uh, it's like for me, I, I'm, I'm just the messenger and I am in the tyranny of attention mm-hmm. um, deficit all, all the time. And I'm, I'm with, with people in it. Like I'm, I'm not the expert or I haven't got it figured out either. You know, but it's a a passion of mine because I think that distraction takes away from our ability to become more centered in our transition, Mm -hmm. to become more, even more aware and pay more attention to the ways in which we need, might have the opportunity to transition well. Well, we got to have it back for, we got to have a whole episode on attention. Actually, next month's theme is awake, wide awake. Oh, really? Wake up. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. I'd love to be back. We'll we'll see if people listen to this episode. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You can determine if I get a call back. Um, Last couple of questions, Danny. So this is so personal, but what are you changing in yourself these days? What's something that you're changing, that you're intentionally changing? Yeah, actually, that's great. That's really great. So right before the holidays, um, I like, or right during the holidays, I went to yoga with my wife and I've actually been challenged. Uh, the last year has been really hard for me because I had shoulder surgery. I had a tort labrum. So I had shoulder surgery. I've been going to rehab. Um, it's been like a two year journey for me. I'm a very physical active guy. I used to play volleyball. I surf. I love being outdoors. And, um, I, I stopped going to yoga cause of my shoulder. Mm-hmm. So actually like two days before Christmas, I was doing yoga with my wife at, um, her, my father-in-law's gym and I pulled my back super Ooh. bad. Ouch. I actually was in bed for six days straight. Oh my God. And, um, and I just was bummed, you know, like I was in bed. I wasn't able to participate in the festivities. I ate a lot, which wasn't good because <laughs> I was really bad like I probably like walked like a total of like 50 steps a day and I have made a personal commitment this year to get myself back on track physically um like going to the gym multiple times a week eating healthier um and just rehabbing in a slow and steady way you know I think we I mean going back to this topic of change like for me I'm like I just want to like be fit and like you know I want that B, you know, that, that location B or whatever that is. But I have realized that there's like a steady journey for me to get there. If I want to be in a place where I'm healthy and, mm. and growing in my own physical, I mean, and people will look at me, they're not going to be like Danny's overweight or he struggles with that, but yeah. I'm not getting any younger. And <laughs> I want to, I want to, I'm in a, like, I'm in it for the long haul. Yeah. And, and if I want to be the best to my clients, if I want to be the best that I could possibly be to the, the different aspects of my life, like, yeah physical is one of those things you know mm-hmm. um, and the other thing that actually I've, I've committed to last year I started at the end of last year was I um, I have I've committed to checking my email less hmm. so I've set up times in my day where I can check my email for very concentrated time I don't do anything except for check my emails okay so I spend maybe a total of probably an hour a day on email but I do it in 15 minute segments or 30 minute segments. Hmm throughout my day. Yeah. So I don't check my email first thing in the morning. I do, I do meditation. I do some journaling and then I do, um, I do some reading or writing on my own, on my own like development until about eight thirty in the morning. And then I check my email for 30 minutes and then I do my projects. Like I have my tasks that I need to take care of and I check it at 11 
then I check it at three, and then I check it at five right before I sign off. Huh. And I don't let my email dictate what I my priorities yeah. are. Yeah because it really takes away from my ability to be more strategic yep. and more mindful. So I don't know. Those yeah, are we'll be there. It'll be there at three. It'll be there at five. Yeah. It'll be there at three. And my bosses know like, Hey, if I, if you really need me, just text me like, yeah. then I'll sign on whatever you need. But yeah. the email really isn't the most urgent thing. Text is email isn't. So I've, I've worked it out and I'm going to continue to figure out ways to hack my life productivity. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. actually, Scott, one of the things I realized was, and if people are in this place where they feel like they're stuck in the vortex of emails, try this method. Because I actually have more energy now in the afternoon than hmm. I ever had before. Because I used to be subconsciously draining energy by the totally. choices that I'm making by checking my email. A simple act as that hmm. has been literally draining my energy. And now I have more time and more energy at the end of my day. Wow. And so... I would consider that. I mean, some people have more emails than I do, but, um, you know, I have yeah. clients I need to answer right. to. So I, I, I'm not, you get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not like, I don't, I'm not like a, you know, non-existent. You know? Yeah. Oh, Danny, the, you're throwing gold nuggets here. Uh, yeah. last question. How, how can people stay in touch with you? I know on a, on a few fronts, so speaking, coaching work you're yeah. doing, uh, with yeah. consulting, but also, Mention too how to get access to Influx, the book on transition. Yeah. Sure, sure. So Influx is um, right now on Amazon, and so you can buy, purchase it that way. And the subtitle is called Influx: Finding Purpose in Transition. Um, and my personal blog is probably the best way to get a hold of me. You can contact me through that. It's Danny Kim with two M's, so Danny Kim dot com. And my company that I work for is Centauric. Um, C-E-N-T-A-U-R-I-C.com. That's kind of work we do if people are interested in that. Yeah. I am on like LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter uh, pretty actively. And I, all my handles are Danny Kim with two M's. Okay. Uh, a lot of people ask if that's my real spelling. No, it isn't. Once it comes <laughs> from, I had to create an I am instant messaging account and that, yeah. that's what's stuck and that's what's common. So, or that's what I've been able to get. There's probably but, a couple of Danny Kims out there in the world too. Uh, yeah, just a few, like probably <laughs> 3 million. Um, but I've, I've got a quote. Can I share this? Yeah. Because um, I think it's a cool way to just Please. catch conversation that we've had all, all afternoon. But um, it's a quote by Jeff Goins, who's a, a writer. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he says, a life filled with movement, with constant motion, and no rest stops isn't a life at all. It's tourism. Mm. And I just really love that because I think oftentimes, like, being in transition causes us to stop and think and reflect and be okay with where we are. Yeah. And also be able to be grateful for where we're at, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, people have really crappy situations. I get that. But yeah. It, there's a lot of things that could be worse. And so anyways, I just want to encourage That's you. That's great. We're going to have show notes with all those, uh, the websites, the book, that quote, if I can get from you. So, yeah. um, Hey, Danny, thanks. Thanks for being a part of this. I hope we can intersect worlds more in 2019. Maybe that's my new that. resolution. <laughs> I would love that. And let's go yoga together. I got love it. it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Back. All right, Danny. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, God. Hey, thanks for joining us for the U School podcast. We wanted to let you know that we have a new free mini course that's available for you. It's called the real me course. It's available on our website. Go to theuschool.com forward slash register. Create an account and you'll see the Real Me course available for you for free. 
Within three quick exercises, you can get clear about your identity, about who you are, and what matters to you. Let us guide you through video and through interactive prompts for you to figure out and get clear about your real story. So go to theuschool.com and thanks for joining us today.